Sowing means you throw out a little seed and a harvest comes out of it. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps coming forth and expanding. Every time you obey the Lord in some small way, you're sowing God's life into your daily existence. If you'll sow into the Spirit, you'll find the Lord infusing you with power, energy, and a momentum that will carry your life with God forward. We all know the physical principle of cause and effect, that our natural actions on earth always have a natural result. But we often forget that this applies to spiritual things as well. We think of obedience to God in terms of a list of rules, do's and don'ts, failing to remember that when God tells us to obey Him, He's inviting us into a life where we will reap a wonderful spiritual harvest. Welcome to Purity for Life. I'm your host, Nate Dancer. In this episode, we are going to talk about a lifestyle of obedience is a lifestyle of blessing. Well, we have finally come to the last episode in our series, 20 Truths That Helped Me in My Battle with Porn Addiction. We truly hope that you have enjoyed this series of podcasts and that they have been a blessing to you in your walk with God. In this segment, Pastor Steve Gallagher talks about obedience. When we obey God's commandments, not out of legalistic duty, but a heart of love and devotion, God promises to shower us with blessings. Okay, here we are. Truth number 20. A lifestyle of obedience is a lifestyle of blessing. As you know, one of the fundamental laws of the kingdom is that you reap what you sow. Everything that happens in life operates on the principle of cause and effect. It's not an arbitrary thing. If you throw crabgrass seed into your front yard, it's sheer folly to expect a beautiful lawn of Kentucky bluegrass to spring up. It just ain't gonna happen. Sowing and reaping is a law of nature which is as fixed as the law of gravitation. If you sow wickedness, you must understand that you will reap destruction. It isn't that God doesn't love you. It's that there are spiritual laws that cannot be avoided. It's like a judge who hands out sentences under mandatory sentencing laws. It's not that he hates the felon convicted of robbing a bank. He has to sentence him to prison because he's required to by law. Let me put it this way. Our actions are fertile. Every time we make a moral decision, we set in motion forces which soon move beyond our control. The fact is we're constantly living in the fruit of yesterday's sowing. We often think that we reap in eternity what we sow in this lifetime. That's true, of course, but we also reap during our time on earth as well. There's just no way around it. If you make provision for the flesh, walk after the flesh, and mind the things of the flesh, you must reap the sin and destruction that goes with it. You'll find your heart will be full of carnal desires. You'll find yourself going after the things of the world, You'll find that your soul is laden with darkness and the eye of your heart is blind to spiritual truth. 
If you sow to the flesh, you will reap spiritual death, a deadness of soul, spiritual lethargy and inertia, no vitality, no energy for the things of God, no hunger, no thirst for righteousness. And you'll soon find yourself separated from God and all that makes up his kingdom. In the end, you'll discover what a bitter thing it is to forsake the Lord. If your life's been anything like mine, you've already spent years reaping that kind of corruption and spiritual death. So I really don't need to convince you of this because you already know the truth of it. But it's been my experience that sexual addicts don't know so much about the converse truth of this law, that if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap a life in God that will go on forever. In other words, if you'll make provision for the Spirit, walk after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit, you'll find wonderful spiritual vitality flowing into your being. Sowing means you throw out a little seed and a harvest comes out of it. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps coming forth and expanding. Every time you obey the Lord in some small way, you're sowing God's life into your daily existence. If you'll sow into the Spirit, you'll find the Lord infusing you with power, energy, and a momentum that will carry your life with God forward. The picture I get of this is a guy who owns a large piece of land. He sows some hay on one acre out back and just goes about doing other things. He soon forgets all about it. But even though he's not paying any attention to it, what he has sown begins to grow. One day he happens by that part of his property and is astounded to find a beautiful hay field ready to be harvested. Prayer is a good example of that principle. We spend some time praying for some situation and then sort of forget about it. Then we find out the Lord has mightily answered that prayer. This law of sowing and reaping can be seen in stories all throughout scripture and throughout church history, but it can also be seen in biblical teachings. One of the first places you see it is in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses was giving his final address to the children of Israel before they entered the promised land. He said, quote, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God. The blessings that come forth as a result of our obedience is simply another way to say that you reap eternal life when you sow to the Spirit. A land that's cursed is barren, desolate, and unfruitful. That's such a picture of what our disobedience brings forth. But a land that's blessed flourishes with an abundant harvest. That's a picture of our lives when we obey the Lord. We find this law of blessing operating everywhere we turn, prospering us, increasing the good in our lives and making our lives spiritually productive. Of course, the blessings don't start flowing immediately when we begin obeying the Lord. It takes time for God's processes to unfold. It would be ridiculous for a farmer to throw some seed in the ground and expect fully grown plants to be awaiting him the next morning. But how many Christians get discouraged and go right back to their carnal ruts because they don't receive the blessings immediately? No, it takes time for the blessings to begin to flow. As Moses said, quote, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. 
And I need to tell you that God's blessings are a huge part of my testimony. There was a time when my sin had separated me from the Lord. How could I begin to tell you how awesome it's been to walk closely with Him for the past 30 plus years? There was a time when my life was difficult and hard. Everything always seemed to go wrong. How could I begin to tell you about 30 years of things going well in my life? There was a time when my marriage was full of strife, suspicion, and animosity. How could I begin to tell you about the years of happy marriage Kathy and I have enjoyed? There was a time that it seemed as though God wasn't even listening to my prayers. How could I begin to tell you about the countless miracles, both small and great, that I've witnessed over the years? There was a time when my life was mundane and boring. How could I begin to tell you about the years of being able to travel all over the world? I could go on and on, but I think you get the point. My testimony can simply be added to thousands of others lived out over the past 6,000 years. God is a God of blessing. He loves to do good to his people. It's only our disobedience that hinders the blessings from flowing into our lives. Okay, so that's the last of our 20 truths that helped me in my battle with porn addiction. I hope this series has encouraged you to keep fighting for a godly life. As I said in my first talk, a few 10-minute videos can't adequately explain all that's involved in coming into a victorious life. And I don't mean for this to end on a sales pitch, but I do want you to know that you can dig much deeper in these truths that I've touched on by going to purelifeministries.org. There are free articles and sermons and an entire bookstore full of good material for you to peruse. And if you haven't read At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry, I encourage you to start there. There's also a DVD series that teaches through the book. I hope you too will one day be able to enjoy the full measure of God's blessings on your life. Oftentimes when we think of worship, we think of our favorite Christian artist, an emotional church service, or beautiful hymns. But do you connect obedience and gratitude to worship? In this segment, Mike Johnston talks with Pastor Jeff Cologne about how a life of true, complete obedience and gratitude to God is also a life of worship to Him. Jeff Cologne has joined me in the studio. Jeff, thanks for coming in to talk with us. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, Mike. Jeff, we want to continue in our discussion in the series, Worshiping God. And one of the things we've lost about the reality of worship, especially in the evangelical church in America, is a fundamental aspect of it is obedience to God. And we learn a lot about that in the story of Noah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, Mike, a lot of times we do think of worship in the sense of, you know, being in a worship service where people are praising God, singing song, but really it involves our our whole life. And we see that in the life of Noah and just how he walked with God. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the scripture tells us that he found favor in the eyes of God. Why was that? Well, it says he found favor in the eyes of the Lord because he walked with God, which basically meant he was obedient. His life was ordered. His life was led by the Lord, and that was pleasing to the Lord, that he, he found someone that was willing to let the Lord order his steps and, and lead his life. And God can do a lot with someone that's willing to do that. 
Jeff, as we talk about obedience, one of the phrases that I heard many years ago was that partial obedience is not obedience. We saw something else in Noah than just a partial obedience. Yeah, and it really does tie in with worship, as we'll see later in the life of Abraham as well. But he heeded, Noah heeded what God said, and he did all Mm -hmm. that God commanded him. You know what it reminds me of is King Saul, Mm. who we see had partial obedience. He was instructed to totally wipe out the Amalekites and leave no one living and no spoils, but he spared a few or whatever. And when the prophet confronted him, he said to him, God doesn't delight in sacrifice and offering, but in obedience. Mm -hmm. And that's what God was after, you know, him doing everything he had told him to do. Yeah, I know that's something that God continually impresses on on me. Not only God is not interested so much in the sacrifice, but he's interested in obedience out of our heart. In other words, if you're in ministry, he's less concerned about the ministry work you do and more concerned about the heart that that work comes from. It almost seems an extreme statement in our current understanding as Christians that God is asking for complete obedience. We think, oh, God has just asked me to go to church on Sunday and don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs. But really, it's just the totality of, is my heart totally given over to God? And that's where we see Noah. Yeah, and if you think about it, Mike, um, if we only obey God part of the time, what are we really saying? You know, I'll obey God when it doesn't interfere right. with what I really want to do. Right. Um, well, that's not walking with God yeah. as Noah did. Yeah, yeah. It just it just came to mind. You know, Jesus said there will be those on that day who will say, "Lord, Lord." They'll list all the religious things they did, but He really wasn't their Lord, because they were only doing a few religious things that looked good to other people, but in their hearts, He wasn't the Lord of their life. Right. And and we're not talking about perfection here, and yeah. I got to do everything perfect. But there should be a general consensus in your life that. Your life is ordered by the Word of God, even though at times you might miss the mark, mm-hmm. but you, you see it, you repent of it, and yeah. and you're always coming back to the Word of God. Yes. You know, I know sometimes in counseling, you'll mention something to someone, and they, you just you see the look on their face. It's like, you're kidding. God would ask me to do that. You know, and it may be something as simple as uh, giving up a pet hobby or something that's just, you know, it's getting in the way of your relationship with the Lord. But we see a really dramatic call on somebody's life in the life of Abraham uh, when it comes to a heart of obedience. Yeah, that is so true, Mike. To me, it really is a picture of what true worship is. Because when you think about Abraham and when he went through that whole thing with having to offer up his son, he said to his servant, I'm going to the mountain to worship. Mm. We're talking about his son. We're talking about sacrificing his son, laying his son on an altar. But, but yet, but not only his son, it was the promise. The it promise, was promise. It was of everything he relied on to fulfill God's word to yeah. him. But yet, it had become something other that he was looking to rather than God, and God required it of him. And again, we see what's at the core of worship. You know, are we really looking to God, or are we trusting? in something else, but yet we see he was obedient. Mm-hmm. And again, as we saw in a previous discussion about the blood of Abel, which pointed to Jesus, again, that ram in the thicket was pointing again to the Lamb of God. Yeah, again, amen. God making the provision. And one of the wonderful things that comes out of this study is that God requires us to worship, and yet he gives the provision for us to worship. 
Yeah. It's just it's wonderful amazing. how God does that it's for amazing. us. Every time I, I look over the years of how God has intervened in my life to bring me into his presence and to bring me to a place where I can worship him, in my own heart, just gratitude wells up. And we've learned in this study that a grateful heart is part of worshiping God too. How important is that? That's so true, Mike, and I'm reminded of Romans 1, verse 21, where it says they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Mm -hmm. And that led to worshiping the creature where we look at Adam and Eve. That's really what happened. Mm -hmm. The devil deceived them, the serpent deceived them, that God isn't good. Mm -hmm. And when we lose sight of that, it, it really does lead us away from worshiping God the way we ought to with our lives and we're commanded in Scripture, you know, to be thankful in all things. You know, in line with that, Jeff, because we're, we're moving in this series to look at the tabernacle, but before the tabernacle even, every time God did something for his people, uh, he instructed them to make altars. And that altars was for that reason, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a place where they just could remember that mercy. And it really, for us, points to Christ and never losing sight mm. of what Jesus has done for us. And that really is the basis yeah. for our gratitude. Yeah. In fact, in the study we were looking at, they mentioned that those altars really were a type for the cross. It was a picture of the sacrifice to come. I know for me, Mike, it doesn't take much reflection on what Jesus has done for me to stir a grateful mm -hmm. heart in me. Mm -hmm. When I take time to express gratitude to the Lord, it's an act of worship yes. to him. Yes. I remember when I came into the program, it was difficult for me. And no big surprise, you know, when we're living a life of sin and self and self-will, we don't have a heart of gratitude. But as God begins to cleanse you and purge you of your idols uh, and begins to open your eyes again, you realize, man, he's done so much for me and continues to do so much for me. Well, Jeff, as we close this discussion today, let's kind of tie it up with something that I think we need to touch on that we can learn from the obedience of Noah and also the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his son. Well, what we learn, Mike, is that there's a cost hmm. in our worship with the Lord, but yet, you know, he saved Noah and his family. He, mm -hmm. he opened the way for blessing for Abraham yeah. So it brings with it, when we obey the Lord and we worship him in that way, there's blessing involved, and then we have reason to be grateful. Yeah. And it all ties together, and it really is a wonderful cycle, mm -hmm. if I could say it that way, that just continually enhances our worship and actually makes us want to worship him more with our life. Yeah. And, of course, ultimately points to the greatest cost ever paid, and that was the sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah which is our greatest reason to be grateful and to worship. Well, Jeff, thank you so much again for talking to us about worshiping God. Okay, thanks, Mike. Without a true sight of Jesus and a passion to know him, obedience to spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, and fasting can often become dry, lifeless rituals with no meaning or power behind it. In our final segment for today, Rose Cologne shares with our residential program students from Psalm 119, exhorting them to desire God and seek after him with everything so that he can become everything to them. I want to share as well with you men. I try to pray for you during the quiet time through Psalm 119. 
use the Psalm 119 as a guideline. And as I was doing that this morning, something was just striking me. The reality of just some of the prayers that were prayed in that Psalm, a desire. There was an inward desire to want to please God in everything. Desiring God's word, delighting in his word, desiring to go after God with everything within. I mean, it's throughout that psalm, throughout that prayer, that you see the reality of a man who wanted a reality of God inside, that didn't want just religion or the outward form of godliness without power. You see that throughout the psalm. And one thing we were encouraged to do as interns and still encouraged to do is to pray through this psalm for ourselves so that God can get something in you like Pastor Steve is saying today, inside of your heart, a reality of God and his kingdom inside that your roots would go down deep in that way where the only thing you will delight yourself in is in the Lord and in his word because he is the only thing that is pure and holy and righteous and just in this day and age that we're living in and forevermore. And if you do that now while you're here, when you leave, God is able to keep you in the midst of that hell that's out there. I can't listen or watch or read the news anymore because I get upset over where I see we're heading. It's upsetting to see that Man is calling evil good and good evil. We're living in those times today. And we need to see right. I include myself. But the only way we can see right is by delighting ourselves in what God says is right, in what God says is true, what God says is pure, what God says is holy. The only way we can see right is by abiding in him in that way and spending time at his feet and in his word and asking the Lord, Lord, purge out the things in my heart that are not right, the things I don't see right. Purge them out, but replace them with you. Replace them with your truth inside. The men, God brought you here to do that work inside of your heart. He did that. It, in Psalm 119, it says, It's good for me that I've been afflicted. In verse 71, that I may learn your statutes. Throughout that psalm, you see, it's good for me that God chastened me so that I can learn something about himself, know something about himself inside, come into a living reality of God inside. And, and if you pursue the Lord, in that way, this is my testimony. If you pursue the Lord in that way while you're here, God will give you the grace when you leave here to live out what we read in Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared. He brings salvation. He has brought salvation to you while you're here. And he has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. This is for today. 
God's grace is available to you men. It doesn't matter how black it gets out there, how dark it gets out there. If you're abiding in the vine, the true vine that gives true life, God's grace will be there to help you. His Holy Spirit will help you to be able to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. But looking, where are our sights? Where are your sights when you leave here? Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. His desire is to redeem you, redeem me from every lawless deed, that chastening that God brings into our lives is for this purpose. And to purify for himself, you, his own special people, zealous for good works. That's why you're here. So God can do this in your heart so then you can go out there and be a light and be a testimony of what it really means to truly follow Christ, not this outward form of religion that's permeating in the church, but a reality of God in your life where you're able to stand to the end, even if it costs your life. We don't know what we're heading into, but persecution will come if you stand in this way. But I say this every time when I go out speaking, Jesus is worth it. After what he's done for us, he is worth it. The body they might kill, but God's truth abideth still. His word endures forever. So no matter what this culture is trying to bring, the lies, God's word will prevail and will stand to the very ends because Jesus is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And he has the final say in everything and that has to be bedrock inside your heart, my heart, for the days we're coming into. So when you hear these words, be encouraged because it's your Father speaking to you, your Heavenly Father. He wants you to come into that reality what we read about in Psalm 119 that the only thing we want, the only thing we desire, the only thing we're yearning for is God inside, the reality of his kingdom inside. And Lord, I'm so grateful that your voice cries out to us from heaven. You truly speak to us. Lord, you've given us ears to hear. You speak him from your throne. Lord, I pray for those in this room that maybe still can't hear right. Lord, that you would help them. Lord, unstop their ears so they can hear that it's you. It's you crying out. Your voice cries out to us, Lord, on every corner. The voice of wisdom. Lord, and we hear you today. Lord, we hear you today. And Lord, I pray that these men would just not be hearers only, but that they would be doers of what they're hearing so that it, you can impart yourself to them in the way you want to inside so that they will stand in this evil time, in this evil age. Lord, I pray that please put something in all of us, that bedrock of the knowledge of the truth of God and your kingdom into all of our hearts so that we can all stand in the days that we're coming into, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, obedience is a necessary part of the Christian life. However, the point is not 
do enough good works so you can pay God back and earn your way into heaven. The point is that God has laid out a path by which we can know and have fellowship with him. And when we order our lives according to that path, God promises great blessings for us. It's a law of the kingdom. Again, we hope you've enjoyed this series of podcasts based on our YouTube series, 20 Truths That Helped Me In My Battle With Porn Addiction. Please visit our YouTube channel for more video series, including Sacred Things, Hope for Struggling Marriages, and our Ask the Counselor series, where we put biblical answers to some common questions about sexual sin. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.